Alright, here we go. Am I ready? No. Uh, but, we're, <clears throat> but we're here. <laughs> I, uh, I, I, I didn't get to say it during, uh, before when we were, when we were warming up, but I, I definitely got dinner with some work friends of mine after work. And Wait, are we recording right now? Yes. Oh my God. I got dinner. I with didn't some, even know. Well, now you do. I got, <laughs> I got dinner with some work friends of mine after work. And uh, I had a few beers, and then we kind of like hung out around, hung around for a while, and I was like, "All right, I need to get going home so I can go record." And then I got here, and then I realized that I had done our bartender for the day a favor, and she gave me a little like can of beer, like for free, and uh, now I'm drinking that, so I'm feeling pretty good. I'm not, I'm not. Are you? I'm, I'm not drunk while recording, obviously. Oh, I, I was I'm, like, are you admitting to no. being drunk no. on air right do now? I sound, do I sound drunk? No. Yes. So I <laughs> – well, then you clearly – you've got as much knowledge of what drunk is as a Christian person does. Like you think that oh, if you wow. smell if you smell alcohol, you're going to hell. So I'm fine. Listen, but you, I you am, know my history. I'm fine, but I am feeling pretty good. So this should be a fun episode, especially considering uh, what you've – said that we're going to be talking about which i'm i'm some of that very, stuff I i'm was very i'm very excited about over dramatic about that's fine i'll get <laughs> I'll, I'll get dramatic about it oh my god anyway so <laughs> the first thing we we're, we're we're talking about today is uh i i've told some people that we were going to talk about this but we're not talking about it directly but we kind of are but we're gonna we're talking about uh uh Cardi B and Meg The Stallion's uh, WAP song that's been going around. I know we're a little late because it's been it's been almost a month that th- that thing's been out. It's yeah. been a couple weeks at least. But the only reason why we're talking about it is because like it's still people are still talking about it because TikTok is still doing the whole challenge, which I, I don't even want to get into that because no. some people just should not. I've seen people hurt themselves on the on those TikTok videos trying to do that. I'm like, listen. If you can't do the splits, just just don't <laughs> just don't just don't try. Just don't just don't like, do it. Like in order to do that dance, it it requires a little bit a little bit of athleticism and flexibility. So if you ain't got it, I wouldn't I wouldn't try. No. Uh, but the reason why we're kind of uh, touching on it is for the fact that uh, there have been people that have said how vulgar and. Uh, how like it's just it's too much for kids to see and um all this other stuff and how it should be censored and things like that and i'm just like well this is kind of the trend of 2020 isn't it or the trend of of just society today about you know things being too vulgar uh but i will say this um Knowing the songs that I knew when I was like six, seven years old, uh, this is kind of mild. Um, and the thing is, is that like I don't think that people understand that there are songs that were in the 80s and 90s and even the 70s that probably shouldn't be sung by by kids or anyone, but... You know, I I knew the lyrics at eight years old. I mean, I didn't I didn't even know what apple bottom jeans were when I was when I was like nine or like twelve or however old I was. 
<laughs> when they said boots, boot, I was like, what kind of boots have fur on them? Why would you put fur on boots? That sounds really impractical. Yeah. But the thing is, is that, like, there have been there have been so many songs throughout the history that have sexual and even, like, drug-related undertones or innuendos. I mean, granted, are, is, is WAP a little bit more out front with it? Sure. But, I mean, there's been music for decades about talking about uh, genitalia and uh, sex and drugs and all the other stuff that's taboo uh, in America. And it's like, what's, how is this different? I mean, it's just a little bit more vulgar than the normal, but I mean, I'm not any way trying to normalize this type of stuff in music, but like the outrage that it's been getting isn't necessarily warranted for the simple fact of like, this has been going on for a while. This has been going on for a while. Like the drug craze uh, back in the 60s, 70s and 80s, all the, all the uh, artists were singing about that. Mm -hmm. All of them while they were doing it. I mean, you can name a rock band from the 80s, and nine times out of ten, they had a drug or sex-related song. Yep. That's just, that was just a sign of the times. Yeah, those, that's just how it was. That's back when, like, I mean, cocaine was really taking off, like, acid. Like, drugs were really just really coming into, like, its own. And drug, there was just new drugs just coming out. Quaaludes. People don't even do quaaludes anymore. That was, yeah. that was, <laughs> that should not even exist. It's like, yeah, it's like people were doing that stuff. I mean, but it's just that music has taken that kind of turn. Yeah. Uh, and it's, I mean, it's unfortunate, obviously, well, but I mean, it's what, is, what, what, what's, what's the point of music though? Is music to it, does music exist only to kind of like echo the echo like quote unquote good moral values or is music an expression of the self you know what i mean like why pretty, does why does much. Mu- why does music have to fit into a box like it doesn't yeah. it's well, it's art it's an exp- it's an expression like yes. of the, like pretty i said much. It, it's an expression of the self and whatever artist chooses to create it can give whatever message they want to give yeah. Well, music it, is one of those things. But it's it falls on society to be like this is morally good or this is morally bad or if you fall into my camp, the camp of I I don't care really what what this song is about. This song is a bop. Like this is a good song. Like the song is very catchy and I like this song. Yeah. They play I mean, wa- they play WAP in the kitchen at work like on a daily basis and it's always the, the unedited version. Yes. <laughs> of course, the unedited version. What the fuck do we look like? Well, some of people play the unedited. Like, okay, so I heard it on the radio, and I'm just like, why, why even play this song? Because, like, literally, it's the whole every other like every edited, other word yeah. is just silence. Yeah, pretty so much. I'm that, really just like that's another that's another matter entirely. But I, I personally like the song, and don't don't play it on the radio. What are you doing? Why are you playing it on the radio? Well, like, it's it, not you even so much. Even, you literally like, can't even play it on yeah. the radio because it's so much swearing. Like, there's you can't hear anything. Like, most of the song is just like silence. <laughs> like, what is pretty the point? Much. Pretty much. And so I'm just like, make yeah, it make they probably sense. Probably shouldn't have made it. No, they probably it probably shouldn't have made the radio. 
But I understand why they did it. Probably people kept requesting it. But, yeah, like, this is kind of the state of music. But the thing is, is that, like, it depends on what kind of camp you're in with music. Because people look at... People look at hip-hop and rap, and they're just like, oh, my God, it's horrible, blah, blah, blah. It, it's it, All they talk about is money, sex, and drugs. It's like, well, if you're looking... If you're just simply listening to, like, the radio and certain t- people, yeah, but there's a lot of... There's a lot of hip-hop that is very lyrically conscious that people don't know about because... That's not what people want to hear. I mean, do people realize how the radio and things like that work? They play the songs that people want to hear. Yeah. Like, people, like if people didn't request these songs or ask for these songs, and these songs didn't get a bajillion hits on YouTube, they wouldn't get as much playtime. But people don't want to hear the... Uh, lyrically conscious hip-hop music they want to hear why do you think even and this is this is why there's been so many like cross genres and things like that is because uh what's going to get them on the radio because i don't know if you here's the thing i don't listen to country music a whole lot but i but i when i do listen to it a lot of it's poppy you mean poppy do you mean poppy isn't like catchy like like that, yeah. Like it's not like so beat, much of like the beat wise. That too. It's it's catchy and like the beat wise. Here's the thing, it's not so much of the um you know, Johnny Cash, uh Reba or like Dolly Parton. Reba. Don't you dare talk shit no. about Reba. <laughs> I'm not gonna talk shit about Reba. Let you me ever... finish. Don't you or dare Alan talk Jackson. Shit about... Don't you dare talk or shit any about of those. like it's it's because not of one you. of those. It's not one of those older style of country music where, uh, you you know you know what I mean by older style. It's changed. No 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 no. I do. It's it's changed. Like like rap and hip hop has changed over time. Like something about um rap like older not necessarily older but maybe like nineties and like especially like nineties rap and early two thousands rap. Basically any rap that came before the bling era. Which I the, I call the bling era, the basically like the emergence of like Lil Wayne and other like quote unquote bling artists in like the mid two thousands, pretty much from like two thousand five to like two thousand nine or like ten or so. Um, everything before that, so you look at stuff like uh, a lot of Tupac stuff, a lot of uh, Biggie stuff, uh, Nas. It was as it was written, stuff like that. Um, it's a, a most of it is about growing up in impoverished, disadvantaged, primary, pride, predominantly minority-based neighborhoods and struggling just to live and to find uh, a life worth living in those types of places. Um, and yeah. how the people that are rapping about it found their way out of that place through lyricism and through the through their use of words and their ability to use an art form to get their way out of there but a lot of their music is kind of reflecting back on that and reliving the horrors that they had to kind of go through living in such poverty kind of a same come kind of a similar deal with older country music a lot of older country music deals with a lot of the artists feeling very disenfranchised 
feeling very kind of left out or like abandoned by society because of a lack of education or a lack of a certain class being considered to be uh, being considered to be lower status because of where they were born and finding pride in their art or kind of lamenting over their place in society and not knowing how to get out of that because they don't literally have the skills or the means to get out of that life. Um, and it was very relatable for people that were in those areas. They kind of felt trapped, both for uh, rap artists and for country artists. They kind of felt trapped where they were, and they felt they were kind of disenfranchised and kind of left out of society just because of the status of their birth. And they were very relatable to people for that reason. That's why that music became so popular, because it resonated with so many people. But it's changed over time to where now you don't really find artists like that anymore and country music has kind of just transitioned into songs about trucks, beer, girls, and just kind of pandering to like a general sense of patriotism for America. And rap music has mostly progressed into dance hall type beats and ass shaking type beats. Nothing nothing inherently wrong with that kind of music but they've both transitioned to things that where are they're no longer really focused on the artist and like the a message that an artist wants to share and they've more progressed in the stuff as what can sell the most records what can get the most plays on the radio what can what can make the most money through being the most catchy and getting played the most on the radio through very memorable and energetic characters that will help us sell this that will help us quote unquote create and sell this music so i mm. i agree i agree with you that stuff has changed <clears throat> it's, it's gone it's it's transitioned away from a personal message that an artist is trying to convey and more into what will sell the most copies you can still find music out there nowadays from yeah from artists that are trying to say something or trying to give a message about something and those are usually really good because they're usually made by really talented people the problem is that they're really hard to find because they're so they're so suppressed and they're so crushed by the sheer volume of material that is just trying to sell itself and is trying to just get played on the radio and is being ignored or, or, or the, the good stuff of people that are trying to give a message are is being ignored because of the sheer volume of other stuff that's making its way onto the air. So question. Mm-hmm. I have a question for you. Um, I'll, I'll say a little bit and then I'll let you answer the question. Okay. So I have a question. Okay. So do you think that because of the fact that like they're those people who are underground get crushed by uh what i guess what sells do you think that like when those artists finally get their recognition and finally sign to a label and then like most people say they sell out and they start doing songs that are unlike them do you think it's more or less they by signing with a company you kind of lose control of that creative freedom depends on the company. and then and then how do you kind of i guess keep hold to that because i will i will say this as an example for a second for a second um i know that most people have a mixed mixed feelings about her but uh taylor swift um ha- went through a kind of a transition of like country she was in country and then she went to like pop and then she's been she's been doing that for a long period of time and um 
she was under kind of a big umbrella label and um, she's been in a fight with them trying to get her like original like music getting the licensure for her original music and um, she just recently came out with uh, music I think like a couple weeks ago Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was, it was recent. I should was, I should know this. It was I a couple weeks. This. It was it was very recent. But uh, yeah, and so people are kind of like mixed feelings about her newer stuff because it doesn't necessarily sound like her. But in reality, it's more her than some of her earlier stuff because mm-hmm. she wasn't necessarily under a big label. She's kind of she's under a different label, but she has more control. Like, I mean. I guess I kind of lost, buried the question, but at the same time, like, do artists kind of lose that sense of themselves when they sign with a big label as compared to when they're on their own producing their stuff or producing their stuff with the people that they choose, but also at the same time, the kind of backlash they get from either stopping from recording the stuff that they're used to in favor of things that they want to record or stopping what things that they want to record in favor of what the label wants? Um, I think it depends. Um, I think it, I think when you say a big label, they kind of automatically are kind of damning themselves to be controlled by said label. Because like when an artist signs a contract with a label, they, that label I don't really know how it works, but from what I understand of it, the label pretty much owns that artist because they're working underneath that label. So if they want to make music anywhere, if they're going to make any sort of music, it's going to be music produced under that label. And if they want to produce any sort of different music, it's going to have to be, if they're going to produce any music that goes against that label, then that's, that's just not going to fly. So like, um, they, they're kind of they're really kind of limited in like what what they can do um so like if an artist signs under a label you pretty much have to do what that label says like a lot of times people will sign contracts with labels where they have their it's a contract to make x amount of albums over x amount of time and uh, if they if they do that then they'll get paid the agreed upon amount but if they don't then it'll be you know, they'll either cut money out of their contract or, like, cut their contract entirely or refuse to pay them because they didn't adhere to the terms of the contract, things like that. So, um, and a lot of times, too, if they don't produce maybe the music, I can imagine if they don't produce the music that the label is looking for or they produce music that the label disagrees with, then they can, like, revoke their funding, they can cancel their contract, refuse to pay them, anything like that. So I think at the end of the day, uh, a lot of labels, like I said before, are they exist to sell records. They exist to their business. They exist to make money. And that is their primary goal in usually signing a person because they feel that that person can make them a lot of money. Um, and they want that person to continue making similar music to what they make because it sells really well. So when Taylor Swift goes off and does something like this, which is very much her it's very much her being herself and doing the kind of music she wants to do from what I've seen. It seems to be the case, um, but it's kind of different from the stuff that she's done in the past. She's not necessarily making stuff that will sell, but she is making stuff that she wants to make. Um, and that kind of comes down to an artist's personal choice 
you know, when you become an artist, do you want to make stuff that's going to sell well and it's going to give you make you a living in the industry and is going to, you know, make you money and make you successful in this? Or do you want to or is your art that you want to make kind of the art that people necessarily don't want to see or people that are uncomfortable with, but it's something that you're passionate about and that you want to make? You kind of got to make the decision. Do you want to change yourself and do you want to try and make it in this field and make it your living? Or do you want to kind of do your own thing and do what you want to do? It's a question you got to question the artist themselves has to answer. So okay, but so, I think but I think definitely that labels are out for themselves. And if a artist doesn't make what a label wants them to make to again make them money, they can always sign someone else because at the end of the day, their business, their goal is to make money and they don't care how they get it so long as they get it. And if they don't get it, they'll find a way to get it. Right. So another follow up question. No, you're good. So, uh, honestly, I like like being challenged. (laughs) Honestly, the thing is what I just thought of as you were talking was like, so is it better to just kind of, uh, fold into the label for a t- for the time being until you build your superstar status up and then release some of your stuff to where at least you have a fan base that's going to listen to it you're still making money to some degree because you're a superstar maybe at this point mm. and people are going to buy whatever you put out that again is well a- the, the reason why i bring that up is because of like i mean because I'm not saying that taylor swift's like stuff right now is bad it's it's not I, like i i listened to the entire album i will say that mm-hmm. uh but the I'm just saying that because of also too Kanye in the case of Kanye West, like he did do I felt like he did do some of the stuff that he wanted to do early on in his career. Then kind of like uh he he, he can just put out anything now and people are gonna listen to it. Mm-hmm. Like no matter how trash it trash it may or may not be. Like they're gonna listen to it because it's Kanye West. Like do you build your superstar status up to that point to where you could just put out literally anything about just anything and people will buy it because it's it's the brand mm-hmm. you're buying the brand at that point mm-hmm. so it's like like do you just kind of like compromise yourself or just kind of like okay i'll do this until i can build my superstar status up i know it well, sounds I mean, like it, it sounds well, bad that, it sounds no, like no, 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 no. no it's, it's not necessarily bad the way you're wording it is bad you're wording, yeah you're, no you, you you literally said yourself until I build my superstar status. So you're saying that from the point of view of a person who is uh, producing some kind of art in an attempt to get famous. So it's sound it's, you're you're saying you're well, saying that they're, people they're, are they're, in it for that reason. Some some are, and there's nothing there's nothing wrong with that. But if you're in it for that reason, then absolutely go for that reason. You know, full force. But you know, do what is necessary to get to where you want to be if that's what you want to do. If you want to be, you know, rich and famous and to be a best-selling artist in your field, then you have to make the stuff that people want to hear. You have to make the stuff that people, that labels want to sell. And you kind of have to sell your soul in order to do that. And if you're okay with that, you're okay with that. Go make fucking $100 million dollars. But if you're an artist that wants to give a specific message 
and they want to do they want to do something specific. They want to give a specific message or they want to talk about a specific issue or they want to they want to do something. They want to talk about something specific in their art and your label necessarily you, you, all the labels that you talk to don't want to support that message or they say, "Well, we'll support you if you stop this whole angle or we'll support you if you don't make music about this." But that's music that you want to make stuff about. Then it becomes a question for the artist of, well, you know, what do you want to do? Do you want to, you know, like make music that you are proud of and that adheres to your to the message that you want to give? Or do you kind of want to sell out and do what they want you to do in order for you to make money? It's whatever you value more. And, I mean, I, I'm not... I'm not an art. I'm not a music artist, but you know, I do. I do dabble in like drawing and writing and stuff like that, and I I tend to fall on what I consider to be more of the noble side, which is I want to create this thing and I want it to give this message. I'm going to roll with the label or the person that supports this message, and not the person that's going to pay me the most money but I have to change the message. You know what I mean? So right. like I, I, I want I want this to be what it was meant to be and I want it to say what it was meant to say. Um, and nothing's going to – and I'm not going to let anything change or alter that. And anything that does try to change or alter that, I'm not going to work with those people, period. Um, now maybe some people are different. You know, looking at, looking at a song like WAP, do you like – I, I like Cardi B's music. I like Meg Thee Stallion's music quite a bit. I don't really think that they have much of a message to give outside of kind of, you know, female empowerment, which I'm all for. I'm, all, I'm absolutely for female empowerment. But it's not, like, really a message that you would get from an album. I can't, I can't think of any off the top of my head. Uh, like, a Lauren, like a Lauren Hill album. If you ever listen to Lauren Hill... Like a message that she's trying to give is much different from something that Meg The Stallion or Cardi B is trying to do, um, and that's fine because Meg, because Meg and Cardi seem perfectly content to do what they do, and you know Lauren Hill seems, you know, fine with doing making the kind of music that she's making and that she's not trying to sell out because that's not what she's trying to do. And I'm not saying that Meg or Cardi is selling out necessarily, but they are doing what they want to do. So I think the point of an artist is to be true to yourself. Um, if you're true to yourself, then no one can tell you shit. Um, but also, too, you kind of have to, as an artist, determine what it is that you want to do and then stick to that and not allow, and not compromise it. Yeah. No, I, I, I completely understand. I completely understand that, honestly. Um Personally, I don't really even know Cardi B. I don't know Cardi B. I don't know her personality. I see what I see on like she seems like a fun Instagram or something. But I mean, honestly, like just from what I can gather, if I could, if I had to make an assumption, I I could tell like she probably wanted to make that song. (laughs) Like she she probably wanted to make this song, Um, just because I mean, just of her persona of Cardi B um, is how it is, but. Uh, to to moving on, uh, to a to a different topic, which um, is a topic I'm kind of sad about. Well, not really sad. But Cardi B hit us up. 
No. Oh my gosh. Yes, Cardi I would B. Love, if you want to sponsor that. us, please. I would please. love that. She seems like a lovely lady. She really. We will, I, I'm we not will have that, you on the show. I'm not saying that sarcastically. I ge- I genuinely love what she does, and I genuinely love how much of herself she is. I aspire to be as much of myself as she is. Oh yeah, she's very unapologetic for who she is. Continue uh, with whatever <laughs> dumb shit you were saying. No, I'm kidding. Go ahead. No, but for real. No, for real. We can end this right here. Anyway. I'll end you you on air right now. Anyway. Anyway. I digress. Uh, Corey, I will come to your house with a big knife. Okay. and and I'm outside your door. I'm outside your door right now. Well, what are you going to do with the big knife? Are you going to help me cut... Cut some chicken. I'm going to kill you. Cake. I feel like it's pretty obvious. I'm going to kill you. <laughs> With kindness? You heard it here first, folks. If Corey shows up dead in a few weeks. <laughs> how do you show up dead? Josh? It was me. How do you show up, how do you show up dead? Uh, You're dead. I'm going to come to your how house. How do you show up? That's just like, that's just like. Are you going to let me talk or are you just going to keep saying, how do you show no, up dead? Well, I want you to, I, yeah, I'm going to do that. I'm going to show up to your house with a big knife. I'm going to stab you with this knife. I'm going to kill you. And then I'm going to look your wife in the eyes. Or I'm going to look your fiance in the eyes and say. You had it right the first time. I'm going to look your wife in the eyes and say, go ahead and report this to the police. And then I'm going to leave. (laughs) And then it's going to be reported to the police. Local bitch Corey Gibbs found dead. After a friend travels travels nine hours to Kansas just to prove a point and kill him. <laughs> oh wow, that's tough. I'm not gonna that's kill you. Tough. I'm sure you're not. I love you anyway, too much. Anyway, I am trying to get to too a much point. effort. Anyway, so what's our next topic, Corey? I it's something that I am disappointed about. So, for those of you who don't know, uh, everybody should know. Two K NBA Two K Twenty One came out this week. Uh, on the fourth, I was super mm-hmm. excited. I was, I was literally, I was like, oh my gosh, two K's out. Cause I'd been playing two K twenty, like super I got excited. My, my player. Super excited so, for, the, for the same game with a different coat of paint. Listen, don't crap on my parade right now. Ah, yeah, you're right. I'm sorry. Anyway, go ahead. So I normally don't buy games like when they first come out because there's glitches, and I'm glad I didn't buy this game straight up because there were glitches, mm-hmm. and people were definitely talking about it. The same reason why I didn't buy Madden either, because Madden had the lowest rating. Like this is the this was apparently the worst Madden game that Oof. they've ever produced. <laughs> apparently, it's what I've heard. It's what I've heard on the interwebs. That's rough. But uh. Yeah, the the this 2K had a lot of glitches, and they were funny glitches. I'm not even gonna lie. I've seen a lot of videos <laughs> where like the dude was shooting a basket and his arm was like bent backwards. And I'm just like Jesus. And I'm like wow, but I was disappointed at that fact. But it also makes me like wonder about pre like pre buying games. I don't know if you uh, like pre order games. But like, not anymore, really. I used to. I typically to. don't anymore. I used, I used to a decent amount, but I don't. Not anymore. Um, I just want to see all of the, all of the I, stuff that people find out. I don't know if it's because I'm depressed, but like, I don't really find a lot of games that I'm actually like legitimately interested in. Um, right. The only game that I, the only two games that I've been interested in in recent history. Um, recent history in the last in the last like six months of like 2020 have been 
uh, Cyberpunk 2099, um, which I need to I need to look this up. Is that an Xbox exclusive? Do you know? No, it's not. It's, it's not? not. Okay. Cause no, some it's guy, not. A guy that I got 2077. Some uh, some guy that I work with. Um, uh, my friend Eli. Congratulations, Eli. You got shouted out on my very small time show. Um, <laughs> I he said that it, he was saying that it was like an Xbox exclusive, and I was like, I don't think it is. And he was like, Dude, look it up. I'm pretty sure that it is. And I was no, like, I was like, oh, I was like, all right, I'll, I'll, I'll look it up, I guess. And I just looked it up, and it's it's, it's on. It's definitely not. So it's on PS4 and it's, PC. <laughs> it's on PS4, and I will be getting it on PS4. Um, I don't know if I'm gonna get a PS5 because I'm also right around the time when the PS5 comes out later this year. I'm probably gonna be buying a new car, which is like gonna be a few grand that I'm spending all at once, and I don't want to spend an additional five hundred plus dollars after that just to buy a PS5. Um, probably like more close to like eight hundred dollars. Um. But then I also see games like Cyberpunk 2077, and I'm like, that's going to look really, really nice on the new console. Um, also, too, uh, Assassin's Creed Valhalla. i really excited for that. I know Assassin's Creed games have not been that great as of late, but I just love the Viking aesthetic. I love the God of War aesthetic. I'm obsessed with it, and I really, really, really want to get it so bad. Um... So those are the only two games that I've actually been excited for in in recent times. Um, mm. But back in the day, I used to pre-order games, not pre-order games, or I, I, before they had pre-ordering, they had like layaway. Do you remember? Do you remember this before they had like yes. pre-orders and they had layaway yes. games where like you could literally <laughs> buy you could buy the game before it came out and you could like pay off the game before it came out so that when it came out, you had like either a minimal balance to pay off or you had already paid for it completely and then you would just yeah. get the game I hate on release that they date. don't do that anymore oh it was so nice I love I, I love that so much I did that for like three ratchet and clank games I did that for um, it was just so it was so convenient it was so convenient I remember going to the store when when ratchet and clank going commando was announced and it was like I think it was like forty dollars and I basically had like ten dollars of allowance a week from like doing chores and every week I would go to Game Crazy and I would use that $10 and I would put it towards that game. And after like four weeks, I was completely paid up and on the game. But then the game still had like another four or five weeks before it came out. So like I was calling the store like once a week and I was like, is the game out yet? Is the game out yet? Is the game out yet? <laughs> and I was like I was like 12 or 13 at the time. And every time this, they would, they were so nice. They were like... No, Mr. Fernandez, uh, the game's not out yet. Uh, it'll be out around this date. If you want to give us a call around that time, we'll have your copy reserved, and we'll be able to get it to you. Like, oh, I out. will. And then I'll be like, all right, cool. <laughs> and then I call back the next week be like, hey, is the game out yet? <laughs> and, <it> was, <laughs> and when I got oh that game, you, you better bet every follicle of your ass that I played that game to 100%. That game is still, <laughs> that game is still good to this, to this day. I still love that game. Oh my goodness. <laughs> that game you literally had a gun. You had a gun in that game that could shoot miniature nuclear bombs. Where like you would shoot it and like when it would shoot out like a little it was called the mini nuke. And you would shoot out little spheres and when the sphere hit the ground it would release like an AoE explosion and it would make like a mushroom cloud, like a nuclear explosion mushroom cloud that was only like four or five feet tall. 
Oh, because it was a tiny little mushroom cloud that was the size of like a small child. Oh wow! And it was it was <laughs> so great. Oh my goodness! But okay, time it's question time. All right. Okay, so because I'd been thinking about this, uh, I I thought about this all whenever right, I found out like all of the glitches. With, you caught like, me. I am 2K. gay. Okay. Anyway, that's a, that's a joke. I'm not. But anyway, but do you think that like? Because here's the thing with like. Uh, like I know, I know for a fact with like 2K, it, it didn't always come out in September. It used to come out later in the year. Same with Madden. Do you think that like these game developers are releasing games too soon? With specifically sports games or just games? Well, in general? not not even just like sports games. Cause I found this type of glitch type stuff with other like games in general that uh, come out early. Like you know, a series of games that keep coming out back to back. Cause I feel like. Um, there are certain games that are coming out a lot sooner than they normally have. Like normally, because I remember, um, and again, showing my age a little bit, I remember like uh, 20 years ago. I mean, of course, the technology was different, but like a sequel to a game took a minute. It took a hot minute to come back, come out, and uh, it still had some some glitches and stuff with it. But that's just that was the technology of the day, but. Now I feel like their game, the games are coming out a lot quicker. Mm-hmm. I no, feel they are. like that's just a fact. That's not even something that you can even ask a question about. It's just, it's just a fact. But I mean, because they, 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 the, they have the technology, they have the technology to produce games way quicker now. So again, going yeah. back, going back to what we talked about with artists, I mean, game companies are there to create and sell games. Some, not meant, not most, but some. Are ex- some exist to uh, create a quality game that will give a great experience to the players, and they will happen to turn a profit off of it. Other companies are just kind of creating games to make a profit. Companies like EA, companies like Ubisoft, companies like Activision. Look at games like Call of Duty, 2K. Um, Madden. Oh yeah, where it's MLB. Different. MLB the show is kind of is from what I've seen is a little bit different. MLB the show games from people I don't play those, but people that have said that play those say they kind of tend to be different from year to year. So they actually it is they seem like they put effort into those games randomly. It's strange. Even though, even it's though, strange even why though they baseball do that. is a boring sport to begin with, I'm sorry anyone that listens to this. <laughs> that loves that loves baseball. Baseball is boring, and I will die on this hill. Baseball is boring. Baseball. Oh, you're going all in. Baseball on this, is a more is a baseball is a quieter version of NASCAR. Like it is a hangout sport. It is a, it is a sport where you take the family to a sounds game on the weekend. You sit on the grass or you sit in the stands. You eat overpriced snacks. You drink overpriced beer, you hang out and you talk, and then every like 20 to 30 minutes or so, you'll hear the crack of a bat and there'll be a home run or like a double play will happen. It'll be really exciting for like a few seconds and then it'll go back to monotony. And if it goes over nine innings, you're going to leave early anyways. Like that's, <laughs> oh that's just how baseball is. You, nothing you wrong feel with very that. strongly about this. I do, and there's nothing wrong with that. I think that's completely fine to have a sport like that. Just don't try to pretend that baseball is some kind of epic, exciting sport like advertisements try to make it seem. Baseball is almost as boring as golf. Like baseball, Ooh, baseball is almost as boring as golf because stuff very rarely happens. Most of the time, okay. people most of the time people are swinging and missing. Like not a lot of home runs get hit. 
not a lot of like runs get hit and when they do get hit and like a lot of hits happen it's a very exciting game you know why it's very exciting because it doesn't happen that often so oh, wow. baseball is baseball is boring it is a hangout with the family type sport it is a chill sport it is a fun afternoon type sport don't pretend that it's it's exciting same thing goes for nascar watching cars take left turns for three hours and occasionally a wreck will happen or occasionally someone will overtake another driver is not exciting it's just loud and also it's impossible to be the most drunk person at a nascar race you cannot win that game there will always be someone more drunk than you at a nascar <laughs> there will always be someone more drunk than you and there will always be someone more racist than you at a nascar race okay i <laughs> guarantee it josh really regardless uh, this is you my feel dad really, my these dad these are passionate my passionate dad used to watch NASCAR, right na my dad used to watch nascar races when i was growing up and i used to be a big jeff gordon fan and jeff gordon would always get fucking beat by dale earnhardt jr who my dad happened to be a fan of so my dad always took the shit out of me whenever dale earnhardt fucking jr would win <laughs> over jeff gordon because jeff gordon is actually not that great of a driver even though he had some victories apparently in recent years okay. but when i was growing up dale earnhardt jr would always do really really well because, and he was the son of Dale, raise hell and praise Dale. So, oh and my dad would always, and my dad would always lord that over me that Dale Earnhardt Jr. was better. But my dad would like watch these races for the first like thirty laps or so, drink a beer or just chill or do something, and then he would like leave and go do something else. And I'd just be sitting there and watching the race, waiting for something to happen. And then I would call him back into the room when a wreck would happen. He would come in, stare at the screen for 10 minutes while the wreck happened. They'd clean it up, and then he'd leave again. So even he subconsciously knew that it was boring. Like, it is a literal sit down and hang out with the family for a weekend type sport. Don't pretend that it's anything else. There's nothing wrong with that, but it is boring inherently. Unless you're playing it, it's inherently boring to watch. Now, moving back on to games. <laughs> I will absolutely be including this in the description, by the way. I will absolutely I'm, I'm sure in the you description will. I will put I will put a, a lot bullet, of I will put a hyphen and then the little bullet point and then write I go off about why NASCAR and MLB wa watching NASCAR races and MLB games are boring and I will die on this hill. Um but back to the game. A games. lot of trauma right now. Back to the games. Expressed. Back to the games themselves, the video games. NBA 2K and Madden are the same game every year with a fresh coat of paint and slightly different mechanics. They just add slightly different things to the same engine and make the same engine look slightly better. They make the characters look slightly more human and less like homunculus golem monsters. They make, they, they make slight changes every year and charge... $60 for the base game every year and then release a bunch of pre-order slash DLC content for the dumbass like card collecting system that 2K has and for the team build dumbass team building stuff that 2K has with like the purple diamond, the pink diamond, the blue diamond, shit like that for the different players from different eras or like times that they have. I don't really know what much about Madden, but apparently Madden's like similar, and they do this every year and rake in a shit ton of money from doing so, just so they can release the same game the next year with all that extra DLC stuff, all that extra bullshit that you can buy for money, but you don't have to, but the base game is still $60, 
for basically the same game, but slightly better and slightly updated every year. Same thing with Call of Duty. Same thing with all these MM, with all these AAA shooter games. Same thing with pretty much any AAA boring ass game that is essentially the same thing that you've seen a hundred times, just with a different coat of paint or with different mechanics underneath a different publisher. You feel really strongly about this. I do because I've really played. I've played. I've played a lot of really you, good. You've shown that you, you games. You, you games know are a form, something about it. Games are a form of art unto themselves. And there's nothing like like I said before. There's nothing wrong with creating a game that is that is very base and very cookie cutter. That is just kind of meant to sell as many copies as possible and to make make as much money as possible. There's nothing wrong with that if you want to do that as a game company. But don't pretend that your game is some kind of 10 out of 10 groundbreaking thing because you created the same system for me to be able to shoot terrorists for like for like three hours and then be done with it and then just play multiplayer for the next nine months while I wait for the next game to come out. Like, don't Ooh. pretend that your game is some kind of like legendary achievement when it's not. Or in the case of the Assassin's Creed games, don't make it seem like it's some epic historical saga of some behind-the-scenes assassin that took place in real in real-world history when your game is buggy as shit and absolutely glitches out and shits itself at like the smallest wrongdoing. What, look at look at Assassin's uh, I forget which one it's called but the Assassin's Creed that took takes place during the French Revolution is like arguably yeah, the uh, worst the yeah, worst glitch it's, it's like Legion or something like that I don't remember what it's called it's, but it was something like it's that. the one that takes place in France and is like absolutely horrific and Odyssey apparently was okay but still had like its fair share of glitches don't just don't pretend that your game is some sort of epic when like it's it's not you're doing the same thing with a different coat of paint I've played a lot of really good games that I would argue in and of themselves are art in the way of what they express. They make me feel things. They actually f tell a story. They have engaging gameplay that's com that's that's complex and kind of maybe not difficult to it's not difficult to learn, but it's like easy to understand but difficult to master. Um, I can name several games off the top of my head that do this. The Arkham Asylum series. The Arkham Asylum series basically took superhero games and made them into a triple A standard. Like Batman Arkham Asylum and Batman Arkham City, Arkham City definitely more so, changed the way fighting works in superhero games forever. Pretty much any other superhero game that's ever come out since Arkham City has reflected its fighting system, like the fighting combat that you do in that game, very similarly because it was so good and it was so fluid and it was so easy to pick up and understand but it was also very difficult to master like you could learn all of the moves and you could learn what punch was you can learn what counter is you can learn what stun is you can learn what buttons control which of your gadgets all of that is easy to learn actually using it in combat and getting good enough to it to where you can kill you can not kill because you're batman if you could, like, incapacitate a group of, like, 20-plus bad guys without taking a single point of damage takes legitimate skill and knowledge of how the game works. Like, you actually had to put in effort to do so. And then also, too, whenever you weren't fighting bad guys with your fists and you were doing, like, stalking sessions or, like, you were kind of doing, uh, like, in the first Batman movie and Batman Begins in the, in the, uh... 
in the shipping yard scene when he's like sneaking around all the giant containers and he's picking off those armed guys like one by one. There were segments like that in the Arkham games when like there were predator sessions when there were a lot of armed bad guys that you couldn't fight because they would kill you. So you had to sneak around in the shadows and use gadgets and traps and kind of isolate them and pick them off one by one. And you had to think, oh, these two guys are sticking together and they won't want to split up. How am I going to split these two guys up so they can take them out individually? It's a game that made you think about it. And to top it off, most of those games had a really good stories. They had a really good overarching story that continued through the whole thing. Arkham, th- there was a middle game between Arkham City and Arkham Knights, uh, which was like developed by like a different publisher, but it was under the same title. That game's okay, but it is still kind of like its own thing. But the, the three games, Arkham Asylum, Arkham City, Arkham Knight, great overarching story in between those three. In- incredible mechanics and gameplay that only get better with each passing game. An absolute masterpiece and an experience to play. Right now, I think I talked about in a previous episode, I'm still playing uh, Persona 5, which uh, the Persona games in and of themselves are a monster to try and tackle. Even Persona 5 itself, which is the only one I've ever played, is a beast in its own right. And I, I don't even know, I'm almost 70 hours I've almost played this game for 70 total hours, and I don't know how to describe it. I, I, I would say, like, it's a, it's a story-based RPG, turn-based combat game, but it's so much more than that. It's a relationship-building building game. Uh, you play as a high school student in Japan, so you have to, like, actually go to school and, like, study you have to build relationships and hang out with your different friends to build your bonds with them. And if you build bonds with them, you'll do better in different aspects of combat. There's an incredible story that I thought was coming to a close at around 60 hours, but now I realize is only really just starting. So this game in and of itself is a freaking masterpiece that I'm playing right now. And the music of it too is absolutely incredible and is super hype so there are instances of games that i would consider to be art in the way that they've been made they were clearly made to tell a story they were clearly made to be an experience for the player to be something truly to be a truly special story that you can experience firsthand in a more intense way that you can with say a book or with a movie, because with a book or a movie, the outcome is kind of predetermined, and which admittedly it kind of is with games too, but with a game, you're kind of in the driver's seat. You are like responsible for the actions of it, and you're kind of experiencing it firsthand as you're like driving the story forward literally yourself, which makes it more more intense and more like engaging, especially with good games. So when I do see games that kind of do the same formula over and over and over again to make money it's frustrating because i've also seen games that want to do something special and they want to stand out and they want to be different and and they do and they do it in spades and i i'm I'm mad that there aren't more games like that out there and that i have to see the same the same shit every single year and i have to act excited for the same shit with a different coat of paint every single year Admittedly, I, I am kind of assassin. I, I'm kind of excited for Assassin's Creed Valhalla. I would be more excited for it if it wasn't an Assassin's Creed game, 
uh, because I know the history of that. And be because I know the history of that makes me, like, less excited for it. But, you know, that's kind of my views on everything. I went on a, on a, on a big, long tangent about games there for a while, so... But I, I feel I feel like I've said everything that I, I wanted to say about the games industry as a whole because I, I we, we talked about artists earlier and I feel like games in and of themselves are an art form unto themselves and I don't like when that art form is not done justice and I don't like when that art form is kind of bastardized and exploited just for the financial aspect of it. Well, that's how some people honestly feel about the music industry. That's how the music industry is. Like they 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 feel very they're like I hate whenever they kind of mass produce this kind of crap that they that keeps like they 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 look at it they look at it in the sense of like every single song that comes out on the radio is exactly the same. Which I don't think that. I don't think that every single it's, song It's true but it's not at the same time because it's not. They but, could say that, but I, at the same time, are you listening to every single song that they're putting on the radio, or are you just listening to a small sample? Because the thing that people don't understand about radio is that, like, they're they are playing the same they're playing the same songs because it's on a it's on a specific kind of loop. Each radio station is somewhat different, but newer songs get played more in, on the hour. Mm -hmm. Songs that have been out for say three months get played. Okay. Let's play this scenario out for a second. Songs that get played that are new get played about three, four, five times an hour. Songs that are a little bit older, three couple months, will get played two, two to three times an hour. Way older songs that are from like the beginning of the year get played once or twice an hour. That's how it kind of works to kind of keep that the new songs rotating so they become popular. Yeah. No, you're, so you're, that, you're right. No, 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 that's, you're, you're that's right. We, that's what we my, learned in our, thing, in our class. No, 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 you're fine. My, but it's, my, also, it's also something that you, it's literally also a strategy. It's a very well-known strategy for, uh, for radio. It really is. My, my thing is that I don't have a problem with um, people making music that is meant to be sold and made to make them a lot of money. I, like I said before, I, I have zero problem with that. My problem comes when that type of music is so heavily pushed that it makes it very difficult, if not impossible, to find unique music from unique artists. Like I have to go, I have to go digging for that music. I can turn on the radio and listen to like any, any sort of like top forty like hip hop song like in a heartbeat, um, with like zero. Zero effort whatsoever. I could turn on the radio and hear like five songs that I already know. If I want to find some good stuff, if I want to find some unique stuff, I have to go digging. I have to go like search through like reviewers and I have to search online. I have to ask my friends. I have to look on like like forum posts and shit like that just to find one artist that I that I, that I, whose music that I like. You know what I mean? But yeah, that's kind of my uh, opinion and and view on that type of thing. I know I go on yeah. these tangents every goddamn yeah, every every episode i try to like i with the topics that i that I talk about or that we talk You're about like, i'm like josh, oh josh won't freak out about this literally whenever I, whenever i'm like going over like stuff that i that I think we should talk about i'm like oh he's 100 percent gonna lose his mind 
100%. Oh, so you, yo, you're the opposite of what I thought then. You deliberately go out of your way to antagonize me. I get it. Not necessarily, but I knew once we talked about like video games and things like that. Like, he's going like I knew I knew whenever I pushed the envelope on like, "Hey, what do you think about this in video games?" I knew like, you were going to oh, say me, something about let it. Let me tell you what I think about that. Like, I knew that was going to happen kind of. Um, but it's, it's good though. It's good conversation because a lot of people, I feel like don't talk about it, no, for but sure. anyway, uh, so the last thing we kind of have to talk about, um, was something that like, I'm glad my job is doing, but with the whole like, uh, payroll tax deference that, uh, president Trump uh, in, enacted this month. Mm-hmm. All right, beginning yeah, beginning the first. Mm-hmm. So beginning the first, um, the tax the, the, so, the, so, the first of September or of October? No, th- this month September. Okay. Um, so starting, it's already started. Uh, the the Social Security tax um, that normally comes out of your paycheck won't be coming out of your paycheck for the rest of the year. Okay. It's from what I understand, but the thing is. Um, you're going to have to pay that back. Yeah. In some way or another. The The problem, the thing is, is that I don't think everybody understands that. No, they, they absolutely don't. <laughs> they absolutely And they're going to, they're going to, they're going to treat that extra money like the tax refund. And you mm-hmm. know how people treat tax refunds. They spend it on stupid they stuff. They treat that shit like free money. And it's like, I get it. I, I get it, I guess, but... Um, it doesn't make any sense long term because people are going to spend it like, like a regular, like the regular check instead of like just taking it out because that, that also reminds me of just like, I tell people this like all the time. If I won the lottery, I would want to take the taxes out right off the top. Yeah. A hundred percent. Because people don't. We could actually I've, get I've into read this. the horror stories. No, no, no. We, we could get into this on another episode. I've actually yeah. gone. I've actually read in depth as to what you should specifically do if you do win the lottery and it's in excess of like a hundred million. Um. And the the primary piece of advice is to when you. When you win the lottery, a lot of people don't know this. We're getting off topic, but I'm going to say this briefly. When you win the lottery, you basically get you get two options of how to receive your money. You can either receive it as one as one lump sum that is automatically taxed when you receive it, and then you also have to pay taxes on it at the end of the year as income, or you can receive it over a period of time as sort of like installment payments, and those individual payments are taxed over time. And the way that you should do it is that you should take the lump sum and, like, take the big amount up front that's taxed once when you receive it and then again at the end of the year um, because if you receive it in the installment monthly payments, you'll pay more in taxes over time than you would um, if you were to receive the lump sum. And on top of that, you have less room to actually use the money um, and less room to actually invest it when you're only receiving it in small monthly payments over the course of like 30 years. When you receive it as all one lump sum, you have more room to maneuver and to be able to actually use it. Yeah. But um, going back to this, so the employers, your your employer, 
would have would have his responsibility to repay the money the taxes back in 2021 which um eventually trickled down from like they're just going to take more out of your check yeah in 2021 yep. because the employers aren't going to just straight the your employer isn't going to just straight just like i'll just take all the burden for my employees and pay that off uh that's not how business works no. that's not how good business works they're gonna they're gonna be like okay well we're taking that money back out of your check and so naturally it's gonna hurt long term but i don't think people are thinking like long term yep like and that's the thing like with money and like tax breaks and things like that things like this um that affect the 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 short term because i mean think about it we have september october november december we have four months left so that's four months worth of taxes that i guarantee you won't just be four months worth of uh repayment no absolutely it's, not this ne is never that cut and dry no it never is so you think about the like if, the, if even if there's not interest that compounds onto that the your employer is going to probably just take out bigger chunks out of your check for six months six to eight months so you're then you're losing money mm -hmm. and you've already spent the money the extra money you've just gotten so you do you come out bad at the end mm -hmm. and when i first when i first saw this i thought that it, originally they were gonna have to employees were gonna have to pay it from like their tax refund which i'm glad that that's not the case i mean but having the uh, employers uh, be burdened with having to pay it back is not sneaky at all because no. they're not going to be like oh we have to pay all this back sure they're not gonna they're not no. gonna do that no they're gonna not. they're gonna take it out of their employees paycheck yeah and I, I just think it's i think it's wild but also at the same time for the government it's smart for the irs it's smart because uh they're gonna get that money back either way um but the thing is the risk that i've seen that worries some people also some employers are uh, not even just some employers but other people in the government uh is what if that money doesn't get repaid it's gonna it's gonna affect the social security fund it, yes so it will i'm just trying to figure out like what were the real positives of this in the long term or in, uh, yeah, in the to long give, term to give the illusion of help uh and then just reclaim said help because it's being issued by a greedy government that only cares about itself and only cares about its own self-preservation i had a i had a long talk i i i probably should have said this before we started the episode uh to let you know but last night i hung out with noah um uh, noah's an old friends of our old, old friend of ours um and we shout had out a, to Noah. We shout out to Noah. Uh, we had a really um, good discussion uh, last night on the fifth of September. Who's ever listened to this about um, government? Um, now, as everybody knows, I, I tend to lean pretty left, uh, and I would say so does Corey. Maybe a little bit less so than me. Corey's a little bit more center left, and I'm a bit more like mid left. Um, and my mine is mostly due to. Um, human rights, civil rights, things of that nature. I tend to lean more on the side of helping people as opposed to economies, which is what the what republicanism and conservatism tends to lean more towards is the benefit of the state and the benefit of an economy or, in the case of libertarianism, 
uh, very minimal government and kind of letting anybody do whatever they want. Um, and we talked in depth. I talked about how I don't like Republicans because of XYZ reasons. Um, so, talking a lot about how uh, Republican leaders in certain states um, do XYZ things that are bad. Uh, and then he brought up, and then Noah, being uh, pretty right uh, leaning, brought up uh, counter arguments of, well, if you say that, then how can you support Democrats? when they do xyz and i said that's the thing i don't i i don't support them (laughs) i don't like i I, don't i don't no i don't i don't like what republicans are doing i don't like what democrats are doing i think they both actually lean pretty far right even democrats even though they're under the banner of you know blue of being left-leaning their policies are actually pretty right are a pretty pretty right side leaning, pretty Republican leaning. It's literally two parties under again, like I've been saying this whole episode, slightly different coats of paint um, that are out for their own interests and they're out for their own personal gain, and they just say whatever side they are running under wants to hear. If they're running Democrat, they'll say things that Democrats want to hear. If they're running Republican, they'll say things that Republicans want to hear. Whatever gets them elected, whatever keeps them in power, whatever keeps their money funded, whatever keeps them funded and keeps them paid is what they will say, regardless of what they do. Um, and I think that is absolutely fucked. I think that Democrats and Republicans both do it, um, and that is why I tend to vote for people based on policies and I never vote based on party. Now it just so happens that most of the time most candidates that I do vote for wind up being Democrats. However, that doesn't mean that I really support what that what a Democratic candidate is proposing. I just don't like the alternative of what the Republican candidate is often proposing by comparison. So if you give me a choice as to the two, I don't like either, but I like this one less, so I'm going to vote for the one that I like slightly more so than the one that I really... I'm going to vote for the one that I dislike as opposed to the one that I hate, if that makes sense. It's like it's, it's, it's quite literally become voting for the lesser of two evils, and I hate that we're in that point. I hate the two-party system. I hate the Electoral College. Land cannot vote. Land should not be able to vote. But then you also run into a problem with a two-party system as to where if you abolish the Electoral College and land cannot vote and we just do popular vote, Democratic candidates would win every single time from now until the end of time. They just would based on sheer population. Like California, New York, Florida, other blue-leaning states for sheer population numbers would win popular vote elections for Democrats every year from now until this nation disintegrates. And I don't think that's necessarily right because I don't agree with a two-party system. I think we need to abolish a two-party system and to focus less on candidates and less on parties. We need to get rid of super PACs, and we need to get more to policies. We need to get more to community leaders that are focused on actually helping their communities and helping the nation at large and not just helping themselves or furthering the interests of their own party or just saying stuff that that panders and caters to their party to get themselves reelected year after year after year. Um, yeah. 
God, water Ooh, is so good. I felt that. I felt that. That's I thought a lot about that. this, and I've started actually. No, I, I'm Corey. You don't understand how smart I am. I am dangerous when I do my research because I know how to speak. I wasn't elected president for no reason. Okay, I know how to talk. I, I and when understand. I know, I know how to I, talk. I get and when it. I know what I'm, and when I know what I'm talking about, I'm undefeatable in a debate. You can't Ooh. beat you can't beat me if I know what I'm Ooh, talking about. Undefeatable. Not only do I know what Listen. I'm talking about, I also believe that what I am talking about is morally right. So you cannot try and defeat me or try and destabilize me from a morally quicksand standpoint or try to argue from a morally bankrupt standpoint because I will expose your standpoint for being morally reprehensible and you will lose on the basis of that. You can't argue with me based on facts because of what I've researched I believe to be right. I've researched enough. I'm going to be able to speak fluently to it. No ums or uhs or let me check my notes. No, I know what I'm talking about, and I'm not going to back down from it. If anybody's listening, that's an open challenge. If anybody's, if anybody's listening <laughs> from, and, dis- from and disagrees Josh with to me, debate. if anybody's listening to me and disagrees with me and you want to debate a specific point, not an overall not an overall convocade of points uh if if you want to debate well explain why democrats aren't bad i've already said that i don't like democrats i don't like republicans i don't like the two-party system as a whole most of my views just tend to lean left based on on their basis democrats democrats and liberals are two different ideologies republican and conservative are two different ideologies they fall into the same camps but they deal with different things and most of my mm. ideals tend to be more leftist than democratic or liberal. I just tend to fall on the side of human rights. And I believe that this country should be a place where every man, woman, and child should be able to lead a good life and a life that they want to live. And so long as they are not hurting anyone or themselves, anyone else or themselves, they should be allowed to pursue that life and no one should be able to stop them. And if they do try to stop them for whatever prejudiced reason, that person should be stamped out of society and should be ostracized from society because they hold society back as a whole. It only it like racism racism and prejudice only serves to divide people. It only serves to keep us separated when we are much much stronger together. That is what America was was founded on even though this country was founded unfortunately by slave owners and this country was built on the back of slavery of indentured servitude for most of its history this country was built on the blood of native americans it's awful it's atrocious it's horrific i would like to think that it doesn't have to be that way forever we don't have to live in the sins of our past forever we can atone for those sins and we can be better going forward and we can actually live out the noble ideas that this nation represents going forward but we can't do that if people are constantly holding on to i'm better than this person because this person is different from me that's not that's not how we're gonna win that's not how we overturn a government that literally just seeks to keep us under control that seeks to keep us complacent from changing things they don't want us to change things because they're happy with the way things are now. Well, it, and they do, and they also keep things the way they are now by using things like racism and prejudice to keep us divided. If we were un, if we were united and racism and prejudice didn't exist, we'd be seeing change at a way we'd be seeing positive change at a way faster pace than what we're seeing now.
I have to take a sip right. of my water. Say what you got to say while I take a sip of my water. <laughs> well, um, well, before recently, I feel like uh, there were a lot of people that were very content with how things were going. Or I won't say content. I'll take that back. They weren't content. They were content, They but they were content with talking about the changes they, in the government they without saw that, they saw doing that, any they, of the changes they wanted to see. They saw that things were wrong, but they felt – a lot of people that I've seen that have started actually to become more um, active with racial and social justice, a lot of the ones that have become more active have – become so because they realize that they can make a difference in large numbers when a lot of people rise up all together we realize that we outnumber them and we are the ones that can determine what happens not them because we literally outnumber them um so and a lot of people didn't realize that they felt like oh well if i stand up for change or i stand up to make things different i'm gonna get crushed and i'm gonna get ostracized because i'm the only one standing up for it so, but now that's not the case because a lot of people are standing up all together, all at, all as one, as like a voice of the people, and it's it's starting to scare the people that are in power, which I think is why a lot of uh, military forces are getting so aggressive with protesters in different areas of the country. That's another matter entirely. Basically, we're stronger together. Racism keeps us separated, and that is why not only is it a monstrous thing in and of itself – it's also a means to keep us divided when we are much stronger together and we would be able to enact better change for everybody if racism just didn't exist. And I feel like a lot of people in power that are racist realize that and they seek to perpetuate racism throughout the things that they say and throughout society in order to scare people, in order to ostracize certain groups to keep them downtrodden, and to keep us divided so that we don't rise up together and overthrow them so that they can stay in power indefinitely yeah. I'm, step I'm stepping down off the soapbox now oh yeah well you've been on your soapbox a lot tonight do you want me, do you want me to talk about firefighting since we're pretty much we're pretty much yeah done? you could talk about your updates with firefighting okay well i have my physical the people want to know <laughs> i have my physical exam on uh tuesday at cool looking at my calendar 2.30 p.m. Uh, 2.30 p.m. Tuesday. I'll be off work. Um, I didn't work out uh, today or yesterday, and I won't be working out on uh, Monday either. I'm, I'm resting to be fully ready for it. Uh, for those of you that don't know, I'm training to become a firefighter. Um, I, have my I passed my written exam. I have my physical exam scheduled for this Tuesday. If I pass that, I'll be moving on to interviews. Uh, however, I'm, I'm pretty confident with my interview ability because I, I've trained significantly for it and I've looked – I researched a lot into the kind of questions that they ask and how to answer those questions. Um, those of you who listen to the podcast, I know I did just say um and I, I say um and uh a lot on the podcast to try and think of what I'm going to say next. But I've also been working very hard outside of the podcast since this podcast is very kind of stream of thought, is very kind of I'm thinking up stuff as I, as I talk. I have in regular conversation been taking active efforts to remove my ums and uhs from everyday conversation. And if you listen back to about the last 30 seconds of everything I've just said, you'll probably only find maybe one um or uh in that right before I mentioned that I was trying to take them out of my speech. Because when I actively think about it, as I'm talking about right now, 
I just naturally talk kind of fast, but when I actively think about it, I don't say um or uh, and I'm able to take natural slight pauses while I think about what I want to say rather than punctuate it with a um or a uh. So I'm confident that if I pass this physical test, I'll get hired uh, after I pass the interviews. It's This is the biggest hurdle for me. For those of you who don't know, um, in the Clarksville Fire Department where I live at, they this department, uh, most other fire departments do what's called the CPAT, the CPAT, um, which uh, mo- most departments throughout the nation do. Uh, it stands for the Candidate Physical Ability Test. This department has recently, in, in recent years, adopted a different version of it, kind of like a hybrid version, and it is six different exercises. Uh, all six of these exercises have to be completed in under eight minutes, and you have to complete all of them while wearing a 45-pound weighted vest to simulate the weight of your gear, a long sleeve shirt and pants to simulate your clothing that you'll be wearing, a face mask, and firefighter gloves to basically be in like full gear without actually being in full gear to simulate what you'll be doing on the job. Uh, first test, you have to unscrew and rescrew back on a fire hydrant a certain amount of revolutions. Second test, you have to take a hose and put the nozzle of the hose over your shoulder and run with it for 100 feet. Third test, you have to hit a metal brick down along a sled uh, for a certain distance to basically simulate breaking down a door. Fourth, you have to crawl through a crawl space on your hands and knees, get out, turn around, come back the way you came. Fifth test, you have to run up a 50-foot tower. Not vertically, there's stairs, but you still have a weight and vest on. You have to run up a 50-foot tower. At the top, you have to pull up a, uh, weighted, a rope with a weight at the end of it up the entire side of the tower, run back down the tower, and then the final test, you have to drag a 175-pound mannequin for 100 feet. And then after that, they give you about like five or 10 minutes to rest and recover, and then technically the seventh slash final test, you have to, they extend the ladder on a fire engine for the full distance that it can go out and up, which is like 100 feet or so, and you have to climb to the top of the extended uh, bucket on the fire hydrant, like you know, you would if you were putting out a fire on like a building or like an elevated surface or something like that. You have to climb the full hundred feet up to that, and then climb all the way back down. And that's basically to weed out the people that are afraid of heights. Um, I'm not afraid of heights. Uh, I went to a practice day for the uh, training itself. I did every single test. I was able to complete all of them. At the time, I wasn't sure if I could do it all in under eight minutes, especially the mannequin carry, because I only weigh about 130 pounds, and that mannequin is over 45, 50 pounds heavier than me. Um, so I was kind of nervous about that, but I trained really hard. I bought a weighted vest. I've been working really hard as often as I can outside of work to get stronger and to improve that. Pretty much any time I walk my dog or any time I go jogging, I put on my weighted vest beforehand, and I've gotten pretty used to the weight of it. So I feel pretty much as prepared as I can be. Um, there's not really much else I can do to prepare uh, before then. But uh, I'm going to do my best. Uh, I intend absolutely on passing it. And I intend on moving on. It's going to be very intense if I do pass. It's going to be very intense if I don't pass. Uh, however, I don't plan on not passing, obviously. So 
that's where I'm at currently with that. Um, you guys will know uh, by next week whether or not I passed. Uh, Corey, you'll know before then. But Woo! still, it's the time. The times are coming, and <laughs> it is. It. It, it it is intense. I'm very nervous. I'm 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 very excited. I'm very nervous to do this uh, because not only that, pretty much four days after that, I'm moving into a new place. Uh, so next week's episode may be on hiatus. May have to be delayed until we may have to take a break next week just because I'll I'll be moving to a new place right after my test. And then if I pass that test, probably interviews will happen shortly after that. And then at the end of this month, I'm selling away my car uh, and buying a new one in the middle of October uh, for my as a birthday present to myself. Uh, the car that I've literally had since my junior year of high school, and I've been graduated from college for four years now. So I've literally had that car for four, five, six, four, eight, like twelve. I've had that car for like twelve or thirteen years, and I'm getting ready to sell it. Um, a very intense month for me. Uh, I'm stressed. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm very stressed. Uh, but I am also, I also realize that I am also, uh, strong. I'm a very strong individual. I handle trials and tribulations well. And I know that I am strong enough to handle whatever comes my way. And although I am nervous for what lies ahead... I understand that I can use that nervousness as fuel. I can use the adrenaline as fuel to do better and to be stronger when the time comes for me to be strong. I have faith in myself, and if someone as small as me is able to have a big enough heart to do something this big, then you all can do whatever thing that it is you set out to do as well inspirational just a little bit of inspiration for you for you at the oh, end there kids that's good do you like oh that do you feel inspired do you want to go like lift some weights or something oh post gosh. some more naked pictures on instagram okay it wasn't naked pictures don't do that I i'm wish... telling the people about my journey i'm calling the it's... police sorry <laughs> I, I, you can call the police if you want to no that was, those those are good pictures i'm proud of your progress too yeah i've been through a lot but hey, with with that with that being said though, with, since I said the word Instagram, why don't we go ahead and do oh our plugs? God. I knew that was coming. Yeah. Anyway, if you guys don't already follow us on Facebook or like us on Facebook at Two Cents Podcast, follow us on the Twitter at Pod underscore Sense Two. You can follow me personally on Twitter at shy chi underscore city 22 or you can uh, follow me on instagram and uh like all my pictures uh but not in a creepy stalkerish way uh but yeah like all my pictures on instagram <laughs> at gibbs g-i-b-b-s underscore 5x uh josh tell them tell them about you um, you can follow me on uh, Twitter at Fernandrizzle. That's at F-E-R-N-A-N-D-R-I-Z-Z-L-E. And you can follow me on Instagram at Rijin. That is R, uh, at R underscore A-I-J-I-N. Um, 
And yeah, that's pretty much the only things that I'm really that active on these days. Yeah, also, uh, that's really uh, all I use. But <laughs> no, go ahead. Say what you're gonna say. Also, uh, shout out to to Anchor. Shout out we to always. An- shout yeah, out. We to always Anchor. want to shout out to them. We appreciate and love you for uh, letting us use your platform. Um, you are. This has been one of the, the easiest program possible to use. Um, negative shout out to uh, VLC Media Player, um, oh. which, is, which is what I which is what I use to convert our episodes from VLC files to MP3 Ooh. files, and it just makes converting one file the most complicated, drawn out process in the absolute universe, and it is. It is the absolute worst thing that I have ever had to use in my entire life. Anchor's great. I, once, the, once the file is converted to an MP3, I just drop it in, label it, call it whatever I want, give a description for it, and then it lets it posts it, and it lets me post it to wherever I want. It is great, and I love it. Mm. But uh, VLC Media Player can catch these hands. Yeah. These hands are rated E for everyone. Oh, my God. Anyway, Adam Sandler, Cardi B, please sponsor us. Please. <laughs> we love you. Uh, but we, we love you. We regard- love you, Kevin. Regardless, um, your listenership is more than enough for us. We appreciate you. We love you. Thank you for continuing to listen to us. And we will God hopefully- bless. God bless. Uh, we will hopefully see you next week.